listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Father, we want your will to be done. We want your plans and your purposes to be fulfilled here today, but not just today, every day. Father, we move ourselves out of the way, our plans, our purposes. Because your ways are higher. Your ways are higher. Your ways are higher. We want your will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom be established. Oh, the highest honor and praise and glory to you, Jesus. Oh, the highest praise and honor and glory. Oh, the thanksgiving. Oh, the praise to you, Jesus. We are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. You're worthy. among us and do whatever you want to do all for your glory all for your honor all for your praise may our lives bring you glory may our lives bring you praise just want to stay in this atmosphere of worship as you do I want to I want to welcome David and Jeannie McGrew it's been a while since they have been in the building but we have seen the minister online to us uh, many times throughout COVID but I just want to I just want to release the gifts in them and so I'll just welcome Jeannie and David to come, but just stay in the atmosphere of worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It uh, comes strong in my heart as we are engaged in this place of worship. Thank you so much for the leading that you do, but I'm mindful today of in the beginning when the world was without form and void, where there was chaos, the Spirit of God hoovered over the face of the deep, and God spoke a word, and creation came forth, life came forth, light in the darkness was created by the presence of the Holy Spirit and by the very words that God had spoke. I'm mindful this morning that the Holy Spirit is here brooding. The Holy Spirit is here hoovering 
And God has been speaking words of life and affirmation over you. He says, I will be your God, for I am a jealous God, and you will be my people, and I will consume your lives. I will work in you, I will work through you, and you will bring glory to me, for sin no longer has any domination over thee. You are my chosen vessel. You are my peculiar people. You are a royal priesthood to bring forth the praises unto my name. For I am the glorious one. I am the holy one. I am the one who is worthy of your lives giving me praise. So in this day, rise up and choose to believe that I am the almighty one. I am the Lord of glory. I am the risen son. And when I decree a thing, it comes to pass. So you rise up this day and give me the praise that is due unto my name. For you are my creation. You are my sons and daughters. And this earth is waiting for the manifestation of the reality of my truth to be declared for you, through you. So rise up this day in the power of my Holy Spirit and proclaim my praise. So can we just step into that? Can we just step into a place of praising his name? Just pure praise unto his name. Stand up with us. Just begin out of your own mouth to give him the glory. I am yours and you are mine. As much as I desire you, you desire me more. A holy people. A chosen generation to show forth the praises of the one who's called you out of darkness. Set you in the light to magnify him. Let the blind eyes see. Let the darkness flee. Let wisdom and revelation flow. Let insight and understanding 
your glory in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Let us be a people marked, sealed, sealed by your Holy Spirit. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. You've called it impossible. <laughs> you called it impossible. But God says there is no word that comes out of my mouth that is impossible of fulfillment. <laughs> there shall be the fulfillment of every promise I have spoken to those, to him, to her that believe. That believe. That believe. So France Ele Shobra Cassandra Sandro Vesite and Bonze e Crassa is so racate, is so racate, is so racate, and Sandra is a bojate, Razze la bolja aronamase, is sucatadeshe, ebeseva. So receive my word with meekness. It simply says, that is the word of the Lord for me. And though I don't know when, I don't know why, I don't know how. God is God and I am not. God is God, my money is not. My circumstances are not. The people around me are not. It seems desperate and hopeless unto me, but the Lord says, I am your God. And when you come to the point of being helpless and weak in your own capacity and simply choose to say, my God rules and reigns over me, over these circumstances, over my life this day, you'll see that things will begin to move. Things will begin to shift little by little and there will be ultimately great change because I am the Lord whose word does not fall to the ground. It never fails. But hope, hope eternally. Believe and receive the fullness of my promise. And great joy will be found. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just have this great image of God here today sowing seed. I'm just seeing all of this sowing of seed that's being thrown out into your midst, throwing out into your midst, and, and I'm trusting for hearts to be open and receptive to what the Spirit of God is saying to you today for life and joy and health and peace. We love you, Embassy Church. We're so thankful to be here with you today. We're so thankful for the work that God is doing in your midst, and we are believing for great things in you to impact your city with the glory of God. Amen. God bless you all. Yeah, good. Mark, good, good. Oh, that's yours. <laughs> good, good. Praise the Lord. Is anybody out there? Okay, well, we can go ahead and be seated, and we're going to move right along. Thanks be unto God for his speaking to us, for his leading us. Have you ever noticed how when you take a step and move forward and you obey something, that there's always some kind of a divine affirmation that comes with it? Jesus said, it, it's the right thing for us to do, so go ahead and water baptize me, he said. 
Go ahead and do that. And then the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It's the stepping forth. It's the obedience that leads you to the place of affirmation, validation. And when you do that, there's always a new challenge. There's always a new opportunity up ahead. But if you do that, great things, great things come your way. So Gene said, we're glad to be here. We're honored to be here. This is all true. We're grateful to, to Pastor Megan and the staff and for Jarrett for letting us come and for all of you coming to hear us. And yesterday, for those of us that were at my table when we were having the marriage, uh, when the, having the marriage day, this is the Christmas tree I decorated. <laughs> this is my Christmas tree right here. Isn't it beautiful? You can just like whip that thing up, put it in your pocket and go put it in another room. You can do whatever you want. It's, it's done. It's done. Maybe we'll get some spray paint and paint it a different color next, next year. I don't know. <laughs> hey, <laughs> am I in your pocket? What's going on? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, if you would, to... Uh, Someplace, John chapter 15. I don't expect you all to have the same kind of life that I have. So, so you're going to have to make allowances for Gene and I, for Pastor Megan, maybe a little bit. I'm going to qualify it for being the preacher. So you, you're tempted to say, uh, well, that's your job. That's your job is to read your Bible and pray all the time. That's your job. Uh, but that's not really what the nature of the case is. What is all of our job, as has already been instructed by the Spirit of the Lord, is to feed on the Word of God, all of us. So you don't have to, unless the Lord tells you to, prowl the house all night long, praying in tongues in the dark, reading your Bible. That, does, that doesn't have to be your life. But somewhere in your day, in every day, Charity, read your Bible. More specifically, read something out of the New Testament. And if you ever have any doubts and don't know what to read, go read something Jesus said. This book could not have been fabricated by a man. Because I don't know if you've ever thought about it. But in Genesis chapter 3 and 4, where sin enters in, a promise is made for redemption. They're compelled out of the garden, and they can never go back and touch the tree of life again. Thousands of years of writing, 66 books later, at the end of the last book, which is still in the future, we all get to go back into that garden there's a tree of life in the beginning. There's a tree of life in the end. And in the middle of it, it's all joined by the tree of the cross where Jesus Christ died. Some, somebody, no clever guy, no, Charles Dickens couldn't have thought of this. Leo Tolstoy couldn't have thought of this. This is way above any human mind. This is way above any book that can ever be written or read. I'm telling you right now, when Moses did his part, when David did his part, like it says in, in Peter, they could see into the distance, but they knew the time wasn't for them. And they wondered about what it was going to be like for those things, those times, and those people they prophesied about. They did not know what you can know today. 
They might have known some things brilliantly. They might know some things more spectacularly than we'll ever know, but it's just a piece. They didn't have the whole picture. They didn't have the whole picture, and you've got the whole picture laid out here in the book right in front of you. But that doesn't mean that you can't just take it casually and look at it and treat it like it was a Charles Dickens novel. You can't do that. It's not the newspaper. It's not somebody else's book. It is the living, breathing word of God that it was written, that it was spoken so that it could be written, so that it could be spoken by you again about your life and about your circumstances, about your world. It takes a certain amount of energy to be a Christian. A whole lot more energy day by day than it does just to get up and come to church, put your clothes on and come and be in a meeting somewhere. It takes some mental energy where you put yourself in a place where you're ready for God, well there you are, for God to speak to you and put his word into your heart and put his word into your mind. It takes, it takes some effort. And this morning, I want to both kind of go over the process of how that works, and I want to encourage you to do that. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter how well you've been a believer up to this day. It doesn't matter where you started off from. What really matters is where you go when you leave the building today and are determined to find where you go in God through his word as it's made alive on the inside of you by his spirit. So I said earlier that the book had different parts of, of impact on different people over the decades. I mean, David couldn't look into the New Testament and see what Jesus said. David could just look at himself and look at the world around him and reach down inside by the Spirit of God and grab the truth. But David, David was a great man of God. But listen, a long time ago, only a handful of people at any one given time had the Holy Spirit. Today, when you're born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. So you've got a capacity. You've, you've got the same capacity that David had. You've got, you've got a greater capacity than the people of God had walking around in that wilderness because, because the one who wrote the book, the one who said it, who saw that it was written down so it could be said again, is alive on the inside of you. You ought not to be ignorant. You ought not to be clueless about where to go and what to do and how to go about doing it because the eternal life of God is alive and well on the inside of you. So David couldn't look and see what Jesus said, but you can. And you can build your entire life around the words that he spoke that are both simple and profound. All it takes is for you to open up the book and read something he said, and I guarantee you, something God said for sure, but specifically Jesus, something Jesus said, and your life will be impacted in that first reading. And if you read it every day for the rest of your life, you'll see something more and you'll see something different because it's the living word of God. You need to treasure that. You need to value that in whatever translation you want. Some are maybe easier to read than others. 
Start off with an easy one, but by no stretch feel like you have to stay there because it's simple. Because there are ideas in this book that are not simple. Atonement is not simple. Uh, sacrifice and, 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 and Jesus being a sin offering, that's not a simple thought. That's not something you can just keep making it easier to read and get all the meaning and the truth out of it. So the wonderful thing about God is he's pretty smart. And so when you, when you yield your heart and your life to him, he'll see to it that you smarten up yourself, that you, that you are illuminated, that you get brighter. Sin makes you stupid. I've been stupid. Sin makes you stupid. It makes you dull and blind. Spiritual life makes you smart. And spiritual life, every word in that book is impregnated with some kind of life that will not just get you into heaven. It won't just fire your heart up, but it'll make your brain work. And it won't just make your brain work about Bible stuff. It'll make your brain work about everything going on around you. And you'll one day you'll look around and say, I understand. I see how all this works. I know what's going on. You won't start off there because you'd be dangerous. <laughs> I heard somebody preach one time. Said The Lord said to him, do you know why I don't answer all of my people's prayers? No, no, Lord, I don't. That's a good question. He said, because they'd kill each other. <laughs> you can get a little bit of truth. You can get a little bit of truth. And if you try and push it too far, uh, you can push it out of shape and hurt yourself. So you might as well be dedicated to the thought that as far as this part of the conversation goes, the Lord Jesus thinks you're like in a college of peers ever learning and ever increasing in wisdom and knowledge and understanding even Jesus had to it says at the first chapter of Luke it says that Jesus increased in wisdom so how does the son of God do that he means he had to learn what things meant on an ever deepening level and some of it had to do like looking in the bible and one day seeing himself in there and say whoa that's me well, you know what? You're in that book. Yes, yes. There are truths that you can read in that book that'll jump alive in your heart, that'll light a fire on the inside of you. You look at it and you say, wait, my heart burned just like those disciples on the Emmaus Road after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Did not our hearts burn within us? That's the Spirit of God saying truth to you. You might come to church, maybe today, maybe through the song, so the praise and worship service, through something that, that the Spirit said through Gene, through something I said, through something for sure that Megan said, and have your heart burn within you. And that's the Lord Jesus trying to light a fire on the inside of you and saying, that's a truth you need. You need that truth. You need that truth so you can learn how to pray beyond Jesus help me. Jesus help me is one of the more profound prayers you can ever pray. But Jesus help me is the beginning of a prayer life that takes you into a world changing, a life changing, a family changing, a city changing, a province, a nation changing, a globe changing instrument and vessel of prayer. It's the starting spot. It's not the 
finished spot. Don't ever despise the day of small beginnings, the scripture says. Don't ever be embarrassed about what you can't do, what you're not. Just use your faith and start where you're at. And let your heart be strong in the Lord. And let it ever increasingly grow strong. So we're going to read in John chapter 15. And we won't get far, but I did not look at my watch. I'll have to make an educated guess about when to quit. Especially since I can't actually see anyone. I'll just preach to Gene. I can see Gene. Yeah, you tell me when I'm done, Gene. Go right ahead. Because I don't mind that. Some people might, but I don't mind that. <laughs> Jesus says in John chapter 15, it's great in the gospel of John. Um, from about John chapter 13 through John chapter 20, uh, believe it or not, takes about eight days. Covers two weekends in one week. And uh, it's like a almost half the book, a third of the book is just in one week. It's a very intense portion of scripture. If, if you could, uh, it just as your friend, I'm telling you, if you could just like read anything for the rest of your life, you didn't know what to read this year, read something out of John chapter 13 through John chapter, you can take 21 and add it in there too. It's an added on story, but it's good. And read through the end of the book there and it would, it would change your life. You would not be the same person by this time next year. You'd understand God a whole lot differently than what you do. You'd understand what I suppose you do. I know I did. I know I do. You'd understand yourself and the people around you a whole lot better than what you, what you might understand them right now. You'd see that what you really thought was happening was not really actually everything that there was to say. Matthew, Mark, and Luke does a lot about what Jesus said and what Jesus did. John pretty much explains why he did it. And you have it coming right out of the Lord Jesus' mouth himself, explaining to you why he did it. And it's, it's you read it and say, and, and be, you will be in me and I'll be in you and we'll all be in the Father. And you go, yes, amen. Isn't that good? What in the world does that possibly mean? But one day you read it and you say, well, it reminds me of this other verse there that adds a little bit more light. It's It's hidden. As wise and graceful as your pastor is, she cannot take away the truth that in God's heart and mind, truth is hidden and has to be sought for. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to require effort on your part. With all of her grace and wisdom, your pastor will never be able to stand up and explain to you everything God said to you for your life and what it meant. She's not supposed to. You're supposed to learn from her and from the others everything that you can, everything that you should, and it's supposed to inspire you to go seek that voice for yourself and let him show you what's relevant pertinent and timely for you to grasp and have in your heart and life. So there's probably no better place. You might have other things you're reading. I'm not trying to get you to, to throw aside anything that you've got planned as a group or as individuals, but it's, it's, it's good to read it. It's, it. You don't have to read the whole thing. Two or three verses here or there. Read it and ask for understanding. In John chapter 15, verse 7, 
Jesus has one of these thoughts. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So by using the word and there, he says, you abiding in me and my words abiding in you are two different things. They're two different thoughts. You can abide in Jesus apparently, but not really be willing to let all of his word abide in you. I used to tell folks when I actively pastored that I felt like I'd done a good job if they came to church and someone said something or did something or some experience happened or they were both just enthralled with the burning revelation of truth and they were made a bit angry. Because you ought to come to church and have the truth water your heart and build you up and if there's something in there like there always is in mine have it cut something in your heart the end church is over (laughs) so it's a good thing to pay heed to both of those experiences when they happen if you abide in me if you've prayed and said Jesus you're the Lord of my life but I don't ever have to read my Bible or go to church, then you've only got half the formula for getting your prayers answered fulfilled. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, they may or they may not. He says the most astounding thing, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Now on the surface, that looks so simple. It's like, okay, let's pray and let's get everything we want right now. But there's a trick in it because when you're in him, when you're in him, that means you increasingly see the world and the things around you like he sees them. So that your identity changes, your point of view changes. Actually, your point of view changes first and then your identity begins to change and be altered. You become a different person. We sang earlier We loved it. You loved it. I loved it. It was great. Jody sang, you love me like I am, some version of that. Charity sang, you won't leave me where I'm at, some version of that. Don't make me sing it. (laughs) Both of those things are astoundingly true, but they were only like five meters apart. Between those two truths are continent-sized spaces where God finds you just like you are, but he's working to shape you and make you into somebody different. So that always being worked with is the will of God working towards you to shape your will and to change you, to make you into a different person, not just a better person. If it was a better person, we could lose weight or we could gain weight. We could, we could uh, clean up. We could cut the grass. We could paint the building. We could, we, could, we could be better. But he says, you know what? Better's not the point. Be better, increase, improve. But what really the point is, is that you become like me. That you are changed. And you say, I just want to be just like you, Jesus. No, wait a minute. What's that going to do to my TV life? What's that going to do to my friendships? Are there any hard choices to be made in there? 
Uh, because what I really want to do is I want to come to church and have you tell me how much you love me and not how much you want to change me. The good news is you don't have to change yourself. You wouldn't know what to change yourself into to start with. It's, it's so far beyond your grasp. You couldn't begin. None of us could begin. We'd, we'd have some idea of what we thought he thought was maybe thinking good and it wouldn't be good. He's saying, I will change you. I will turn your ashes into diamonds. I will turn your mourning into dancing. I will change who you are. And the way I'm going to do it is by absorbing you into me so that when you accept me as your Lord and Savior, uh, instantly you get a different view. You see things were not exactly what you thought they were. But when you begin to let my word abide in you, increasingly abide in you, the way you think changes. What you value changes. How you speak to other people, how you see yourself becomes different. Not just because you get disappointed. You, you, you change. It can be quite frightening. But it's always life-giving. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. By this, by you getting your prayers answered, and you can't do that without knowing what his word says and what it is he thinks is valuable, that would limit your prayers. It certainly limits mine into trying to make sure they fit inside the will of God. There's some things that you don't know that you can pray, that you can stand on. You should. You should have hope. You should have faith. But you'd get a lot more of your prayers answered. I would get a lot more of my prayers answered. I'll put it off on me if I made sure that what I was praying about was right in the mind of the Lord before I ever opened my mouth. Like, like a, a teacher of ours in decades gone by used to say, he'd say, I, I had to go pray about praying about it. I had to go pray about what I was supposed to pray about to find out what exact approach I was supposed to take in this. Ask whatever you want, it'll be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Disciples is the last word in that verse there. And what he's just said is to be a disciple, to be a disciplined one. You have to both be in him by accepting in your heart and saying with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the starting spot. And by filling yourself up with his word, because that word, that word, Looking at the world, looking at yourself from that point of view, that word will change who you are. That word will discipline you. That word will correct you. That word will steer you. That word will tell you to put this down and to pick this up. So, for time's sake, I'll tell you what it says in John chapter 14. No, we'll read it because we're right there in the neighborhood. If you've got a Bible, it is. If not, you have to do your electronics all over again. But John chapter 14, and in verse number 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that means more than just asking like and putting his name at the end of the prayer. That means asking from the point of view, though he said it later, he said it before as well, from the point of view of how he sees things and what his word says. That's, that's in his name. That's in him. If you ask in my name, in me, this I will do. This I will do. If you ask, I will do this. 
that seems odd, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So the guarantee right there is, is that all of your prayers are going to get answered. All of your prayers are going to be established. If you can come along and take the point of view of saying, I'm, I'm asking this on behalf of Jesus. This is what Jesus wants me to say right here. I forgot who said it this morning, but Jean, I think, alluded to it when she was ministering by the Spirit, when she was exhorting, prophesying. Uh, somebody else might have said it. There's something, there's, something about, there's something about stepping into life, being ingratiated into who he is, drawn into each other, becoming the collective heart, the collective life, the collective mind of God. There's something there that causes us as a group to begin to see, not just from one point of view, but to see not from my point of view or your point of view, but from his point of view. And when we come to that place of agreement, when we're all speaking and thinking the same way, agreement is a powerful thing. When we're all thinking and speaking and believing and praying the same way, Jesus said, I will do it. First John chapter five. We're going to start reading with verse 13. We may have read some of this a time before. I don't know if I ever got this far. I wanted to, but I don't know that I did. But he said in verse 13, 1 John 5, I write these things. Now, John, remember, this is the same John that we read out of, out of the earlier chapters. So this is uh, written in the neighborhood of 60 years or so after the other things that John recorded. Now, John wrote them at the same time, but the, the events themselves, there's 60 years time lapse. He's had 60 years to think on what Jesus said, is what I'm trying to say. Before he writes this, he's been thinking about what Jesus said for 60 years. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. It's a wonderful little preposition. All, all words are not created equal. This one means into. And it's so it'd be like being in him, and it would be like letting his words abide in you. And what it does is it changes you into something different than what you were. It makes you into a different person. You believe into him. You believe into him, you become someone different than who you started off to be. I write these things to you because these things, if you just write them to somebody who goes to church, or if you just write them to somebody, you can't just say these things to anybody. These, these are truths that work for those people who have, like John apparently had, worked all of their life to ever move closer by feeding on his word into the image of the Lord himself. I write these things to you who believe into the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, this says he hears it. The tense of the verse in the original language was, if we ask anything according to his will, then we know that, we ought, that he hears us and it goes on and says, and we have it, that we will have it. It says that he, we already have it. We've already received it. And we know that if he hears us, not just making the sound, but the heart and the thought of it, and whatever we ask, we know that we have already 
the request that we have asked of him. We already have those things that we ask of him. He goes on and he says, so when you see your brother sin and you're supposed to ask for him to be forgiven of his sins. He's leading up to a great case for intercession. He's leading up to a great case. We won't go there, but he's leading up to a great case for having a faith that goes beyond getting a car or having your needs met, as important as those things are. He's talking about having a faith that'll change a city, change a family, change a nation. He's talking about having a faith where you can actually believe for people to be changed and become more Christ-like themselves. This is, this is the ultimate truth of prayer. That you can't pray unless you start off from being inside of him yourself and unless you start off primarily praying what he said to say. But that if you do that, you will have a confidence. If anybody, don't raise your hands, couldn't see him anyway. If anybody ever prayed a prayer that you knew you went down the formula to say it, but you still had anxiety in your heart. There's a way you can pray and never have any anxiety. It may require you to pray a little bit less at sometimes. It may require you to pray about praying before you ask any questions. It may require you to start off praying something like, Lord, Show me what truths you want to build into my life. Lord, show me what needs to be imported into my heart and into my mind so that I can be changed into the image that you want to change me into. It may start off, and this is sort of how my life works, not thinking so much about my immediate world. It's a glorious thing when you wake up and realize that if you spend your faith on the things that really matter and pray about those things, that somehow your life just kind of rocks along okay. You're not supposed to have to use all of your faith and all of your spirit making your life be what you want your life to be. You're supposed to use your faith in trying to find God. We sang again, what we want is you. What we want is you. What that looks like is being in him and putting his word on the inside of us. It doesn't look like a great emotional moment, a great touch of the soul every Sunday, week after week at church. As wonderful as that is, as powerful and as helpful as that is, there's a whole lot more to the presence of God than all of us corporately feeling together. What there is, is that awareness that wherever you go, whether it's dark or night and Thursday in the morning at three o'clock, that you are not alone and that the truth of God's word lives on the inside of you and that at any given minute, you could use your heart, you could use your faith, and you could pray and cause the will of God to come to pass. But it does not happen unless you have a great value for the word of God. This whole story's been around me telling you once again, value the word of God. Value your Bible. More than you value anybody else's preaching, more than you value anybody else's sermons, more than you value anybody else's books, more than you value anything that you can hear online. Do not be deceived into thinking 
that because you can listen to a famous speaker, male or female, a famous preacher, a famous teacher, that in that validated and endorsed capacity from God, that somehow they've got the answers for your life. Because unfortunately, for you to become everything you're supposed to be, you're going to have to listen to, at some point, the worst preacher in your life, the most bashful preacher in your life, the most awkward preacher in your whole life, because you have to be that preacher. You have to be that teacher that struggles with what that word of truth says. And you've got to preach it in the aloneness, in the smallest church in the universe, the aloneness of your own heart and your own soul so that you are in communion and fellowship with you, spirit, soul, and body. You are in communion with him, father, son, and spirit, so that you are coming out of that room validated and impacted and changed because of the eternal truth that he births in your heart. There will come a day that the world will be messed up enough that you won't know who to listen to. Listen to yourself as you are revived and come alive with the spirit of truth on the inside of you. You've got the same spirit. You know truth. You don't, you got, you don't need, John said, same book. You don't need any man teach you. It's good to have teachers. He didn't say you don't need a pastor. He didn't say you don't need to have some teachers come in and tell you something. He said, you don't need to convince anybody what the truth is because there's somebody that lives on the inside of you that knows all truth about every subject. And if you listen to him, You'll know if somebody's words are ringing true and solid, but you can't just listen to those words because they'll sound plausible and true and good. You have to say, Holy Spirit, is that the truth? Is that the truth? Is that, is that the truth that's truly told? Not to wander off the path. Jesus goes to trial. Pilate says to him, who are you? They have a dialogue. He answers the question. Jesus asked him a question. And he said, of a truth, I came in to do these things. Pilate said, seemingly flippantly, casually, what is truth? That's a real question. That's a real question. Because the Pharisees that accused Jesus had a truth. The truth was that he made himself equal with the son of God. That was wrong. So they had a truth. The, uh, the people that were there applauding him when he came into town, the same crowd that applauded him when he was given his life, when he was at trial and given his life up, they thought they were operating in the truth. They had a piece of the truth, but they didn't have the whole truth. There are a lot of voices that you'll be hearing in the years to come that might have a truth. But it's not the truth. There's only one truth standard. There's only one truth bearer, and that is the Spirit of God Himself. But He doesn't just swoop in and tell you what to think. He lines it out line upon line, word upon word, from the book of truth, bearing witness with the Spirit of truth, so you can rise up and become the men and women of God, the church, the families, the ministers that you're supposed to be, 
absolutely solid as a rock with your heart, with your house built upon the foundation that does not get blown away with the winds and the rain and the disasters of time. Love your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray your Bible. Pray the right parts of your Bible at the right time. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. I pray that beyond anything that I've said, maybe to the exclusion of anything I've said, you work truth in their hearts, their minds, their lives, that you teach, that you guide, and lead them into all truth, confirmed by your word as they walk in your presence on the inside of you learning how to pray and how to speak in a way that both brings honor and glory to your name and causes captives in this town, in this province, all over the globe to be set free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anything to say, sweetie? Thank you much. I don't know what to do now, so. Well, there's Megan. <laughs> Thank you. The lights are bright, aren't they? They probably hear me say that on a regular basis. We love you. We love you. We love you. Um, I, I wanted to come up here. Adam was supposed to come up here, but I never had the chance to actually introduce them because I didn't want to interfere with what God was doing, but... For those of us here that don't know David and Jeannie, they have been a part of our church since the very beginning, since, since I was a little girl. A little, little girl. They were friends with uh, my parents, good friends with my parents, through incredibly hard times, incredibly good times. Uh, they were always there. And they have been to our church now in the present voices of wisdom, of leadership. They have been who we've been able to look to, and they have been incredible, stable, faithful people, and we love them. And, and they always carry a word in season, so we love you so much. And I just wanted you to know that's, that's who was speaking. Normally, we would tell you, but um, I love the word that he was speaking. And I, I know if you follow us on Instagram, but some of you don't, and if you don't, you should. On Instagram, we have, um, every day we put up a chapter of the Bible that we're reading, and right now we're in Romans. And I, I was thinking of what Brittany Manson put one day. She wrote a uh, small article about how sometimes we, we beat ourselves up and we get into condemnation or feeling bad that I haven't been reading my Bible. Everyone else in the church reads their Bible and we start feeling bad. And, and her point was just start, just, just start. Don't feel bad. Just start. If you miss a day, mercy new, the next day, start again, just start again, recognizing that there is so much hope and there's so much life. And I loved what he was talking about when he said, um, you know, you can listen to all the podcasts in the world all the most amazing preachers, and, and I have. You know, we're, it's at our disposal. 
all of these amazing preachers and I listen to it and I'm like, oh man, such a good work, but such a good word, but there is nothing, nothing, nothing that compares to when you're reading your Bible and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you about your life. It is, it is like moment changing. You don't forget. You don't walk away and be like, I think it was kind of said like this, but I, you know, paraphrased. You're like, I know and I don't forget and you carry it and you walk around. So I just encourage you once again, read your Bible because it is amazing. There's nothing like the Word of God. I want to put a call. I don't want anyone to leave here or watching us online. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus or you've walked away and you're like, my life is a mess, I need Jesus, raise your hand. And if not, raise your hand online. But if you don't know Jesus and you want to make him the Lord of your life and you're like, I, I need help, I'm in need of a savior, I won't embarrass you, I won't make you to come up to the front, but just give me a little wave. give you a second I see I see that hand anybody else I see that hand thank you Jesus anyone else thank you Jesus I knew that there was, I knew there was some people, I could feel it in my heart that it was like, I can't let this moment go. And I felt like, I know we, we do pray every service, but I felt that today that God had really placed on somebody's heart. And so, one more time, anyone else? Okay. I'm going to get us all to say this prayer together. If you're watching us online, say this with me as well. And I want you just to type it in the comments. Um, me, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And just begin to say this with me. So let's just close our eyes and just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I am asking you to come into my life, change me, Make me, mold me into what you have created and called me to be. I surrender my life to you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I surrender to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Sean Corrigan, can you stand up and wave? This is Sean. If you have asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to come and see him, and he's going to put some stuff in your hand, and he's going to pray with you again. Come find Sean at the end of service. He's right there. He'll be up at the front. And, and so one more thing with that. Yo, and you know what? We welcome you. We are so happy you made that decision. And we want you to know that it was not by accident at all that you were here. This was a moment that was absolutely you were placed on the heart of God and he said today 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 yes divine destiny you were you were meant for this moment so 
information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca. Thank you.